Well, good morning. Welcome to Bridgewater. If I've not gotten a chance to meet you yet, my name is Tim, and I'm one of the pastors here. We are so glad that you're here with us this morning. Uh, any, any hunters in the house? A few? Okay. Okay. We've got a woot-woot, so that must be his turkey call. <laughs> we'll see. All right. Well, I don't know if I can actually claim to be a hunter or not. Uh, I have been known from time to time to walk out into the woods wearing camouflage, carrying a bow, carrying some, some arrows, and uh, I have been known from time to time to aim and shoot and miss deer. Also been known to sit out in deer stands and uh, hunting blinds, freezing, looking at squirrels and uh, leaves falling, and uh, at the very best, I guess I would be a deer stalker or maybe a nature observer or a wannabe. But regardless if, if you've hunted or not, I'm sure you are familiar with the purpose of a rifle scope. Whether you've ever used one of these or not, you, you should know how this works, right? There is one end that you are supposed to look out and the other end you see through, right? So this, this right here is the wrong end, okay? So if I was out in the woods and I was looking through this end, my target would be so far away, it would be almost impossible to see. It would, it's, it's sort of blurry. I can, I can see that light board. I can fix it right here on Dawn. And I can barely see her. Now, <laughs> there's a chance... I might hit my target, but it'll be just by dumb luck. However, if I turn the scope around, <laughs> oh, I can see perfectly. There's Dawn. She's waving at me right in my sights, all right? Now, I, now everything that was far away is now brought into sight with so much clarity. And so many times we look at our lives through the wrong lens. We're looking through this end and we don't see things rightly. And all of a sudden, when we turn the scope around, we can see everything with precision and clarity. And so many reasons that followers of Jesus are bored, complacent, frustrated with their walk with Jesus is because they don't have the right perspective. As followers of Jesus, we, we end up being bored and complacent and discouraged and frustrated because we're looking at life through the wrong lens. And, and Tim Chester describes the problem this way. Tim Chester says, our problem is that we think of ourselves as being the center of our world. We think of our lives as a story. And if we're Christians as God being one of the characters in the story. That you and I have a tendency, and our, our culture tells us this, that you have a story, and that you are the main character in your story. And if you're a follower of Jesus, there's another character, and it happens to be God, and he is just one of the characters in your story. And when we look through life, we look at life through that lens, the lens of self. We see everything about us. 
And when things don't go our way, when things don't go according to the way that we hoped they would go or, or dreamed or, or desired, we get frustrated, we come, become complacent. And so if I'm bored, if I'm discouraged, if I'm complacent, if I'm frustrated with my walk with Jesus, maybe it's because I've been looking at life through the wrong lens. And so how do I flip that scope around and look through the correct lens. That's what we're going to talk about today. So grab your Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. While you're turning there, let me give you a little bit of the context. Uh, Matthew is one of the disciples of Jesus, and he's writing to a Jewish audience. And he's writing about the story of Jesus, and he's talking about his ministry, and he's talking about oftentimes what's going on with these 12 disciples as they follow Jesus. And these disciples, they've decided to follow Jesus and they've called Jesus their rabbi. And all of a sudden, Jesus' life has come to an end. Their rabbi has been executed and murdered. And now they are on the run. They're being chased down. They're being hunted down. And they are living in fear. And they're not really sure what's going on. They're not really sure what's happening next. And they're probably trying to process the last three years of their lives. More specifically, they're probably trying to process the last three days. And now they've locked themselves in this room. The door is bolted shut and they are living in fear, wondering what's gonna happen to them? Who's coming for them next? And then as they're living in fear, as they're living in that locked up room, two of the Marys go off and they find that the tomb is now empty and that Jesus has risen. And then finally, Jesus appears to the 11 disciples and their whole world changes because he starts to tell them something incredibly important. And we think the first words of our child is important, right? Right? Shana and I argued back and forth, was that dada or mama? But last words are incredibly significant. Matthew chapter 28, I'll start reading in verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Has anyone ever asked you to move your car? Maybe you've been at work or you were at a friend's house or you were, maybe you were at church and someone's like, hey, can you please move your car? And if you're like me, you're like, why? Or who's asking? Right? If I'm at work and an intern happens to come and say, Tim, can you move your car? I want to know who's asking. Are you asking or is it like my boss? If it's my boss, then I'm on it, right? You have something really important given to you. Here's, here's an incredibly important message. Who's asking? It's Jesus. Jesus is saying, I have all authority. And here's what I'm saying. Go. Make disciples, baptize these disciples, teach them everything that you've learned, and don't just teach them, teach them to follow and obey and implement these things into their lives. And so that word go 
is actually a participle. That Jesus is saying, going. He's assuming as a follower of Jesus, you are going. And you are going to make disciples. How do we do that? One of the ways we do that is we share the gospel. We, we pray for people. We invest in people who are far from Jesus. We build relationships with them. We go into their world. Next Sunday, we're going to have an opportunity to simply go out into the community and serve. You may not say a word to people about who Jesus is, but I'll tell you, from my experience last year, people will notice. They'll see all the orange shirts, and they'll take note of what you're doing, whether you think it's significant or not people's lives will be changed. And, and you may never have a conversation with them, but somehow God has a way of bringing things around where they'll go, huh, it's Easter, it's Christmas. What was the name of that church that was out here working? Oh yeah. Or life will come to a screeching halt and they'll go, man, I'm, I'm in a mess. My life is upside down. What was that church that was out there working and serving? I wonder if they could help. Or, or next year, maybe they're the ones that, that they need a roof or they need a deck put on because life has taken a turn and they might go, you know what? I saw them out here last year doing some work. I wonder, I wonder. That's us. That's an opportunity for us to go, going, constantly, consistently going and making disciples. And Jesus has called us to do that. But not only... Are we out there sharing the gospel, praying for people, investing in people? He's also talking about helping others take their next step. And one of the next steps is baptism. And we have a baptism coming up, August 13th. And so Jesus is saying, if you are a follower of Jesus and you've taken your next step in baptism, then you should help others take their next step in baptism. Which makes me think, if I'm a follower of Jesus and I've never been baptized, how can I help someone else take their next step in baptism? And if you're a follower of Jesus and you've never been baptized, then my question is, why not? This is the Great Commission. This is one of Jesus' last words to those who say, I want to follow you. And he's saying, part of following me is taking your next step in baptism and then helping others take their next step in baptism. Well, Tim, I'm not really ready. All right, when will you be ready? How will you know you're ready? Like, what is that standard of readiness? Because if you've asked Jesus to be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life, you're ready. If you wait till you are perfect, if you wait till you, you've totally kicked that habit, if you wait till that sin is completely gone, well then yeah, you'll, you'll never be ready. Because Jesus is not asking perfect people to get into the baptismal tank. He's asking imperfect people who decided to follow him to get in there and go public with their faith. And so, 
If you're not ready, my question is, how will you know what is the prerequisite of being ready? What is that standard of readiness? So our culture, we have this this culture that says you are the center of the story and God is simply one of these characters, but it's backwards. You and I are simply an extra. And the main character of the story, of your story, is actually Jesus. And Jesus is coming and he's saying, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do, Bridgewater Conklin. Here's what I want you to do, Tim. Here's what I want you to do, those who have followed me in faith, going and make disciples. Share this good news of the gospel with other people and help them take their next step and teach them all the things that you've learned. And it's not necessarily about learning more Bible trivia. It's not necessarily about memorizing more verses, although those things can help you. It's about taking what I've learned and going, okay, today I'm going to implement this into my life. I'm going to flip that scope around. I'm going to look through the correct lens. I'm going to begin to see Jesus as the main character in the story. I'm going to let that shape my life. Because This is an incredible adventure. If you're bored, are you actually telling anybody about Jesus? If you're bored, if you're complacent, are you actually helping anybody take their next step? Are you taking your next step? And this is not a a shame sermon or, or beat you up sermon. This is a, guys, let's go charge the hill because God has something incredible for us. Imagine the impact that we can have here in Broome County or Susquehanna County if all of us said, okay, I'm going to flip that scope around. I'm going to chase down making disciples. I'm going to chase down making more and better disciples. It's not can we go or should we go. It's will you go? I'm not talking about necessarily going overseas, although that has its place. That is something we should be doing, supporting overseas missions and sending people overseas. But I'm simply talking about going wherever you are right now, to your job, to the grocery store, to your neighborhood, to the family outings, to the gym, wherever it is that you go. Who has God put in your sphere of influence that you can be praying for, investing in, having conversations with, talking to about who Jesus is, your neighbor, your friends. Because the only way we will actually turn that scope around and look through the right lens is if we follow Jesus. And follow Jesus, following Jesus means making disciples, which can be quite intimidating, can't it? because I don't always know what to say. They might ask me a question I don't have the answer to. That's me too. (laughs) I don't know all the answers. I don't claim to have all the answers. But the mission isn't go and answer all the questions. (laughs) The mission is go make disciples. 
Go share the gospel and let God do all of the work. He is the only one that can change hearts. If I wait till I have all the answers, I'll never have a conversation. If I wait till my life is, is perfect, I'll never get in that baptismal tank. If I wait till I got my act together, I'll never serve anybody. But that's not a prerequisite. The prerequisite is, have you decided to follow Jesus? Because he's looking for followers. He's looking for you and I to simply be an apprentice. To go, okay, show me. Show me how to live my life. I want to live my life and model it after you, Jesus, knowing I'm not going to always get it right, knowing I'll fail, knowing I'll still sin, but I'm looking at how you live your life, Jesus, and I'm going to walk in your footsteps. Following God is about going. It's about baptizing other believers. It's about helping them to obey. It's teaching them what does God say. And if you're a parent or grandparent, you have an incredible role here to make disciples of your children, of your grandchildren. It starts with maybe just reading the Bible with them. You can simplify it. Today's the 23rd. I read Psalm 23 today. Super easy. You can read that with your kids or your grandkids and go, okay, what does it mean that God is my shepherd? Where, where have you walked through dark and discouraging times Helping them, making disciples, helping them become a little bit more like Jesus, and then obeying everything, which is huge. That's an incredible task, and it's sort of overwhelming. But what does it look like? I want to take a look at what does that look like to obey Jesus. Go to Matthew chapter 21. Jesus tells us what that obedience looks like. The, the chief priest and the elders have come to him, and they're questioning Jesus and they're going, Jesus, where do you get all this authority to do all the things that you do? Jesus, where do you get all the authority to say all, this, all the things that you keep saying? Where's your authority come from? And they keep pressing him and pressing him and pressing him. And Jesus asks them questions. He never really answers their question directly. He kind of flips it around and asks another question to make them think. And as Jesus begins to press into them, he tells a parable. <clears throat> Verse 28 he says, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first they answered, right? Two sons, pretty simple, not a trick, no trick questions here. Dad goes to the first one, says, son, I need you to do a job. He says, ah, I'm good, right? You're like, mm, boy, I told you to do the work. He changes his mind, gets his act together, goes and does the work. The other boy says, yes, sir, take care of it, and does nothing. And then you feel like there's a trick question here. Which one of the two did what the father wanted? You're like, huh, I kind of think it's the first one, but why is he asking such an obvious question? Because it's obvious. The first one, right? The first one heard the instructions, thought about it, didn't like them, 
wasn't excited, wasn't interested at all, and then he changed his mind. He said, I'm going to go and do it. The second one, he acted interested. He signed up, went back to the table, put his name down on the list, and then said, eh, I'm good. I don't need a wheelbarrow with a racing stripe to go do anything. I don't have a, a leaf blower. I, I don't want to put stickers on mailers. I, that's great. That's awesome. You guys go do that with your orange shirts and your donuts. Knock it out of the park. Rah, rah. And he does nothing. He's enthusiastic. He seems like he's an admirer. Maybe he's even a fan of, of what's being done. He's, he's, he's excited. He says, that, that sounds like a good project. It sound, looks like good hard work. Yeah, he's probably going to get strong. He might even make some money. But that's not for me. But notice what happens next. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. Huh. He's talking to the elders and the chief priests, maybe the religious leaders. Verse 32, For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. That's kind of curious, right? He's saying, okay, the outcast, the social outcast, the sinners that nobody wants to talk to, the people that nobody wants to hang out with, the prostitutes, the people who are like, uh, you don't really want to spend time with them. They're kind of the worst of the worst of that society. They're, they're cheating. They're taking advantage of people. They're stealing. They're no good. Jesus is saying, those people are more likely to respond to the gospel and follow Jesus than all the religious leaders there. The religious leaders knew the word of God. They knew the law. And they considered themselves experts. They considered themselves high and mighty, smart, intelligent people. Jesus is saying that because he's seen those people the tax collectors and the prostitutes and the woman at the well follow him. He saw the social outcast who nobody liked give their lives to Jesus, commit to follow him. But the religious leaders, they looked like they had it all together, didn't they? They had all the, the right answers. They asked really good questions. They wore the right clothes. But inside, Jesus knew that their hearts were so hardened and far from God. So many of you, you've been here. You've sat, you've listened, maybe for weeks, months, maybe even since the beginning. And Jesus is calling you not to be a fan but to be a follower. That it's great. You're here. You're enthusiastic. You're excited about what is going on here. And listen, if it's your first Sunday, you get like a, a get out of 
jail-free card, okay? I'm not talking to you. You simply get to listen in on a family conversation. But if you've been coming here for any amount of time and you call Bridgewater Church home, then I'm talking to you. We're talking about this together. That following Jesus is bigger than being an admirer It's bigger than being enthusiastic. It's bigger than being a fan and saying, look how amazing this is. Look how great this is. Look how all the things that God is doing. This is awesome. Following Jesus is different than being a fan. It's going to cost you something. It may cost you a relationship. People may go, oh, they're here to talk to me about Jesus again. Oh, they're bringing up, they, they want to pray for me again. They may mock you. They may laugh at you. It may cost you time. Next Sunday will cost you something. You could sit in a nice air-conditioned room or go out and do something. And if you're not physically able, we would love for you to come and sit in this air-conditioned room and do mailers or something. But if you are able... We would love to send you out and do something and go serve our community because we have an opportunity to go and make a difference, change people's lives simply by going out and serving. So he's not interested in fans. He's interested in followers. So here's what we have. Show up next Sunday, July 30th at 9 a.m., If you happen to have an orange Be The Church shirt, wear it. If you don't have one or you lost it, we'll give you a new one, all right? You get an optional donut, too. (laughs) Word on the street is we're bringing in Krispy Kreme. So if the orange T-shirt isn't enough to get you here, the Krispy Kreme donut should be. And we want to give you a project, okay, And there are no skills that are needed. Now, if you have skills, please bring those too, okay? Uh, You heard some of the projects earlier. Uh, And if you don't have a wheelbarrow, come anyways, okay? There's skills, okay, regarding building ramps, and there's skills regarding spraying a hose, okay? There's also skills of putting stickers on mailers, Everybody can come and participate. You don't actually need to be able to build anything to participate. And sign up for a project. You can do that today or next Sunday. And people show up and they're like, oh, I forgot to sign up. We have things going on for you, all right? But before you leave, I want you to really consider signing up. If you have little kids, bring them too, okay, Going out to Snurbush Park with little kids to pick up trash can be a lot of fun, okay? And they're little kids, okay? My little kids participated last year, okay? Shayna wore one of them because she's one. But the other ones loved picking up trash. They thought it was great. Bring your kids and your grandkids. Let them participate because they learn by watching, So much is caught and not taught. And you simply say, hey, this is what we're doing. This is why we're going to do this. We're going to go and serve our community. And you're teaching your kids and your family to go and be the church and serve. 
and there's things inside. There's all sorts of things. So bring your kids, and then when you're done with the project, <clears throat> you get to go home. All right? It might take an hour. It might take two hours. But today, before you leave, would you consider signing up? so that we can go and be the church. Because I simply want to help us to take the scope and flip it around and look through the right lens so that we can be followers of Jesus and not simply fans. Let's pray. God, you are incredibly um, amazing. And uh, you give us Many of us have called the Great Commission. And in your scriptures, you lay out pretty clearly and plainly this mission of going and making disciples. And I ask that you would help us to faithfully live that out. Not just on Sunday, not just next Sunday with our orange shirts, but throughout the week every day, that we would learn to look through the right lens, see what you have called us to do, and begin to live that out. It's scary to go live on mission. It can be overwhelming and daunting to put ourselves out there, but we know that you have called us to do something far greater, grander than what we've been doing right now. Would you help us to follow you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You guys stand and respond to worship this morning.